your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 366 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And it seems like everywhere is enemy territory for the Ottawa Senators following the 2021 NHL draft. You heard our immediate reaction following round one, but now let's break down picks 39 through 202. We had none of them ranked in our top 75, but in Trent, man, we trust. The track record is proven, and now we sit back and we wait for these players to actually play games. Well, guess what? It didn't take long for Tyler Boucher to get on the ice. The World Junior Summer Showcase is here, and not only Boucher, but Jake Sanderson, Tyler Clevin, and Lucky Levi Marilinen were all in action. I went in and bought the monthly pass. I caved, but I had to see Boucher with my own two eyes, and we'll get you a full report. So stay tuned for a full draft recap. And the Senators have announced who they are and aren't qualifying for their RFAs. This, the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Monday, July 26th. Pillsy, it's 5.30 p.m. We're recording a little later on in the day than usual, but you could argue that we needed that extra time to learn just who the heck these guys were the Sens drafted on day two. Yeah, Ross, apparently our 74 names that we covered over weeks and weeks of prospect profiles out the window. That research didn't matter for this Ottawa Senators draft because, like you said at the start of the show, for day two, they drafted literally not a single player on our rankings, which, hey, you know what? That's fine. It just creates more intrigue, more interest for us being like, all right, we we looked at so many of these other guys that are getting picked, but now we got to dive a little deeper, and we certainly had to do that on day two of the draft. Never a dull moment being an Ottawa Senators fan. Now, every draft pundit was quick to tell you the Sens were the losers of the day, losers of the weekend. They shouldn't even show up to training camp because they didn't add any talent to the team. Meanwhile, Trent Mann took Drake Batherson 121st. How'd that work out? Brady Kachuk, look at the pushback on that pick. And then the next day, Shane Pinto. Nobody saw that coming. And now those are some of the top prospects and players in the organization. I'll tease that Brady Kachuk did get qualified, Pilsy, so we don't have to worry about that. But we'll save the RFA talk for later in the show. I just think that what Trent Mann has done with this scouting staff over the last three years, this is the year to take swings. Pilsy, nobody the Sens drafted played more than 20 games in any league last year. So to me, they are projecting rather than going to what scouts and what internet scouts, what those guys have seen on video in the past. Well, and I think an important thing too is uh, a lot of these internet scouts, they have their models that have stats and graphs and charts, and they really focus on the on-ice play of these 17 and 18-year-olds, which obviously you should. But where the Senators are taking a different approach is they're focusing, it seems like to me anyways, a lot more on the people behind these prospects. Like Trent Mann said in his interview today, we're looking for people that are competitive. They want to work to make themselves better. They are, they have good work habits on and off the ice. Like they're looking for the right people that are going to fit in this organization because they don't want to have to have maybe a guy who's just all about scoring goals and they have to spend hours and hours and hours trying to get him to commit on defense. They want a guy who knows where he needs to get better and is going to work on those kinds of things by themselves. And I think a guy like Tyler Boucher, that's a perfect, perfect example. He already has NHL pedigree in his family, Brian Boucher. Uh, He's been an NHL goaltender for a long time. He's an NHL analyst now. So like they have the building blocks to become better people. And 
better people is going to create a better culture. And that's what the senators are working towards here, which the graphs and charts and advanced stats don't exactly always calculate. So that's one thing we need to keep in mind when we're looking at these prospects is there's more than just the on ice percentages behind them. Let's get into who those prospects were. The senators had the 39th overall pick on day two. So only six picks ahead of them. And Aturati, who we had 14th on our rankings, he was still on the board for the next two Senators picks. He ultimately goes 52. But at 39, the Sens took someone who made strides on the ice last year. Zach Ostapchuk was voted the most improved player in his division in the WHL season. A big six foot three centerman who played a lot of wing the past two years, but made it clear in his media availability that he is a natural centerman pillsy after doing some research on this kid what do you like about him well first i want to give kind of my overall reaction when this was happening and ross we were watching a draft together in collingwood it was great to finally do some in-person stuff again after literally years of not being able to do that and we watched the vegas golden knights take daniel Cheka right before and we were rejoicing because part of us were like oh man that's a big left shot defenseman that the senators might grab so at least that's off the table and then they selected Zach Ospichuk, and we didn't know much, if anything, about this guy. And then the next pick is a guy we had profiled very, very highly in Scott Morrow. So it was kind of, there was a real up and down roller coaster of a ride between three picks right there, going from, thank God they didn't pick that guy. Who is this guy they picked? And oh man, I wish they could have got this guy. But that's the nature of the draft, and that's what always makes it exciting. So, now that they have Zach Ospichuk, let's take a look at some of the skill sets he has. And first off, right off the bat, he played the wing in Vancouver, but he personally thinks he's a natural center. And that's that's good to hear because we are looking for the Senators in one way or another, get themselves a center. And they might have done that with Ospichuk. So he's a quick skater. He's a power forward, six foot three, 198 pounds. The Sens went for size in this draft, that's for sure. And you mentioned how he's the most improved player on the Vancouver Giants. Well, how about this? His first full WHL season, eight points in 44 games. This season in 22 games, half the games, 16 points, double the points. So in half the games, he doubled his point totals. That's the kind of improvement the Senators are banking on. And let's see him in a full season. Like first it was 44, then it was 22. Let's get that up to 66 and see what he can do. I think he's going to take big strides in this offseason, and we're going to see it in the upcoming season in the double. Well, the organization's already made that clear. Ian Mendez had one of the best articles to recap draft weekend. He brought his A game, always does. But the GM of the Vancouver Giants was quoted in it as saying that Austin Chuck is going to be a huge part of their success if they have any next year in the WHL. And what I love about him is not only his size, but his speed for that size, a few of his goals. And they were quick to point out on Twitter, the Giants did a great job of putting out a highlight hype pack for him. And he's cutting through the neutral zone. He's quick on his edges. He's going inside out on defenders and making moves in tight that make him seem like he's just an elite player. So I just see this guy as one where there's lots of road to grow with him. A late May birthday, like basically a June birthday, May 29th. So he's got much more room than some of these other prospects. And we'll get in. Ottawa took not only later birthdays this year, but also some older guys. But I just see him as a guy who's scratching the surface of what he's going to be. Now, again, the draft pundits did not like it. Scott Wheeler mentioning that he's fine, but a C prospect and just like the other guys who went just behind him a bit more. And that's fine. You can have his opinion on that. But when you're looking at what this Senators team is going to look like down the road, and they have so many pieces that you don't ever want to say this because you do draft best player available always, but you have to see where you have room for those types of players. Now, Austin Chuck, I see is probably a third line guy topping out. And in the situation that Ottawa's in, if they have a, an elite third line, you're looking at a team that's going to piss people off already with like, who's, who's going to be ahead of them. Then you, you probably have to acquire a centerman via trade at some point. And at that point, then you have to figure out Norris Pinto, where do they both fit in? And then after that, it's like, who's going to step up and what they're doing is creating so much internal competition by stockpiling these prospects. And that's not even to mention 11 picks next year. 
So they took home run swings with these guys. They see in their package how much room there is to grow. And with that, we can probably move to the next pick. And they traded back from 42 to 49 to take a dude who put on 35 pounds of muscle over this past year, Pilsy, but he didn't play a single game. Ben Roger, the London Knight defenseman, the first legit London Knight defenseman to be selected after the Clowns in Montreal took uh, uh, Logan May in the end of the first round. But Ben Roger, what do you like about this enormous giant of a right shot defenseman? Well, let's go through the draft as it happened again. I think that's a fun way to look at it. And Ross, I think this is another one that you had a tough time with because they traded back and that created intrigue. Like, okay, LA wanted to trade up. Who did they want to select? And it was the guy you were banging on the table the last four picks. Francisco Pinelli is the guy that LA took. So then you're like, okay, well, if the Sens didn't want him and LA wanted him so bad, who is it that they're going to end up taking at pick 49? And we watched some good players go in between these picks, Ross. Like yep. you talk about Francisco Pinelli, then you got Alexi Himosalmi, William Stromgren, Samu Tuomala, Logan Stankoven. Like there were some guys that we profiled, and I'm pretty sure most of those guys were three, if not four stars on our draft ability. So that was very, very interesting. And then you got to the Sens pick at 49. Ben Rogers, someone we hadn't heard of because he hadn't had a chance to play a lot of games is a big reason too. But then you start looking at this guy and it makes a lot of sense. He's a right-hand shot defenseman, six foot four, 200 pounds. He's a big kid. And I, I think there's definitely some upside here. In his rookie season with the London Knights, he had two goals, four assists in 35 games. But That's Pilsy, a- he was 160 pounds. The last time he played OHL hockey. So you mentioned it like with that extra weight, he's going to be a completely different player. Yeah. But I think you're saying that in a positive way, a bit of me is is thinking it's going to be negative for a little bit. Like it's going to be very interesting to see how he skates with this new body. I'm using air quotes because like adding 35 pounds is a massive, massive deal. So he's also a guy that's touted for his mobility, for being a bigger defenseman. So we'll see with that extra weight. I mean, I'm sure it's all mostly muscle. It sounds like he was really doing a lot of off ice work uh, training while he couldn't be playing. So with the Belleville sends strength and conditioning coach. So yeah, kind there's of a, a nice little, little organizational connection. tie. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how that affects his skating because as a taller guy you can have nice long strides but then if you add all that weight and all that muscle it might mess around with his skating so we'll keep an eye on that to start that's for sure but the thing with Ben Roger is he's a defensive defenseman I listed it off his points two goals four assists in 35 games on the London Knights team that's that doesn't really jump out at you but he's gonna do a really good job of using his long reach and creating good gap control like guys like that big you can't really get around him in tight spaces in the neutral zone. Like try cutting to the middle. It's not going to be an option. You got to cut wide. And then that, that takes away a lot of your good chances. So I think he's someone that on the right-hand side makes a lot of sense. They don't really have a right shot defensive prospect right now. So I, I like the move when I take some time to step back and to do what the Ottawa centers do. Don't focus on what everyone else is doing and all the other players that are available Use your own strategy. I mentioned this, I think, in in the locker room that we did or the Spotify green room. It's like when a coach is going up against a team and they're like, how are you going to match up against this team? I don't care about who we're playing. We're going to play our style of game every single night, and that's how we're going to beat them. That's what the senders are doing. They're not saying, oh, these teams didn't pick these guys, so they're available for us. I don't care what the other teams are doing. Here's the guys we're targeting, and here's the style of player we're targeting. We're going to grab them. And I think that's a perfect example of what Ben Roger was for them. Not a shock to know what style of play the Sens are building here. It's going to be big. It's going to be mean. It's going to be physical and in-your-face type hockey. And as two guys, I think I can speak for you, Pilsy. Uh, I'm all for that strategy, especially when you do have guys like Tim Stutzla, Drake Batherson, Josh Norris, and, and beyond that can put the puck in the net. How about Connor Brown? The guy can't stop scoring. Just set the franchise record for goal streak last year so i think that you're building a team that has all the elements to make the playoffs so long as matt murray can figure it out in goal i think that's a big asterisk there's also an off-season 
filled with moves coming up as free agent frenzy begins on Wednesday. So that's something that we'll be all over later on in this week. One thing I can tell you for certain, Pilsy, is that Ben Roger had his fair share of built bars over the past year when he's putting on 35 pounds. And for you to get a built bar, all you need to do is go to builtbar.com. Come in 16 amazing flavors. So we always recommend to go get the mixed box of built bar. That way you never get bored of the same old flavors. Add some spice in your life, but do it the healthy way. Yes, built bars are great for the health conscious guy or girl because you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat. The eight come in chocolate nut flavors. Eight are chocolate nut free, but all built Bars are low in calorie, low in sugar, but they're all high in protein and high in fiber and nutritional grand slam. Pilsy, if some great listener is reaching into their mixed box of built Bars today, which are you going to recommend for them? Well, there's a lot of people online that are a little bit salty about how the Sens draft turned out. They, they don't like the guys that they picked. A lot of value left on the table, et cetera, et cetera. For those people that are salty, let me recommend adding a little sweetness to that as well. How about a salted caramel Bilt Bar? The perfect flavor combination, the yin and yang that we like with our defensemen. You get the salty, you get the sweet, and a third part of that, which not a lot of other salted caramel snacks can tout, the healthiness of it. You're looking at only 130 calories and 17 grams of protein. It's packed with protein. And yeah, a guy like Ben Roger, I'm sure he had a fair amount of salted caramel Built Bars. <laughs> Go to BuiltBars.com and check out all the great products that they have available. When you check out, use the promo code LOCKED15. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. All right, Pilsy. So back to the draft we go. Perfect time for a pause, though, because after the 49th pick, Ottawa had a little bit of time to catch their breath until at 74, they went to Sweden. And the only time in this draft didn't take a big lumbering player. They took a skill shot with Oliver Johansson. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised to see a guy that wasn't over six foot two, 200 pounds, and you get someone <laughs> that is a little more focused on scoring. Mind you, he's not a small guy by any means, six feet, 183 pounds. That's not bad at all. He's one of those guys, which I feel like a lot of the Swedish prospects did this. They went between all three different Swedish leagues. You got the J18, the J20, and the Allspenskin League. In J18, seven games, nine points. Nice. Point per game pace. J20, Three games, one point. That's a bit of a smaller sample size. And I think really that was just a stepping stone for him to get up to the Allspenskin League where in five games he had three goals. So he really turned it up. And when he was in the Allspenskin League, Ross, which is the highest league of those three, he was promoted to the top line and he played on the power play. So it's clear that the coaches that saw him rise up through these other leagues were like, we don't need to stick this guy in the fourth or third line like they do with a lot of prospects that are going up in comp competition levels. Let's get him on the top line right away and get him on the power play. And he rewarded them. I think he had two goals in one game. And then in two games, he had eight shots. So like he was just putting the puck on net at an elite rate. I really like what I saw from Oliver Johansson. And I'm excited to see what he can do next year as Timra, I believe, is heading to the SHL. So he's going to be going up against even bigger competition. Uh, he's going up against men. That's the highest competition you can do in Sweden. So let's see how he does in that league. He'll be a year older as it's his birthday today. The young yep. man turns 18 years old and we have touched base with Oliver and he will come on and join us on the show. We love having guests when they just get drafted because those are some of my favorite stories. Where were you when you got drafted? Who did you think was going to take you and all that? So we're excited to have Oliver join us a little later on in the summer, but I really like the style of player that they went out and got with that pick. It adds a little bit more range to their style so with that said i think johansson's going to be a few years away there's no doubt he's still growing in to his body as well like it says he's six foot 183 but in the photos that you look he doesn't look like fully matured yet so i'm excited to see what he'll be in two three years down the road but i think that could be a gem of a pick obviously ottawa got to watch these teamer games a little bit closer because victor lodine was up there so they would have been briefly 
teammates on that squad and maybe coming up the ranks and whatnot. But funny enough, there's always a connection when they're taken. And the only place he was ranked was 152nd by McKean. So the Senators really don't give a shit about your draft rankings. And I'm talking to you, 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 anybody outside the organization. And you got to give them credit for sticking with their guns all over the place. We'll get to more, but I mean, after the fourth round, it's kind of anybody's business. The rankings kind of disappear after that, Pilsy. But I don't know if you heard Trent Mann on TSN 1200 this morning, JR, guest of the show. He asked him, he said, if this was your first draft or second draft, would you have had the confidence to take those swings? And he said, to be honest with you, probably not. I think the Drake Batherson pick at 121st really gave him an air of confidence about him. And I love that from Trent, man. This guy has my full trust until proven otherwise. Well, and that's just the thing, right? Probably in his first draft, you are relying on a public board a little bit more. And you're not able to differentiate from, okay, here's what everyone else is doing. And here's what I should be doing because it takes a little time to work out those kinks. It's, it's trial and error, honestly, like with draft picks, like, man, you could get a guy in the seventh round and he can end up being a superstar and you could get a guy in the first round and he can be a complete bust. So there's so much that goes into it. Before we move on to our next prospect, I did find a good prospect report on Oliver Johansson with Dauber prospects. So I'm just going to read a couple things they had to say. Good skating, good motor and a hard worker. Like, that's what Trent Mann's talking about. He wants players with good motors and that are hard workers. But he didn't go for the size on this one. He went for more skating and more skill. But the essence of it is this is a guy, Oliver Johansson, that's going to do the work on his own. He wants to get better. That's just him personally. His goals are to get better. So he's the type of person that definitely fits in here. Now, some of the knocks they had on him are... His top speed isn't really as fast as others. Like maybe he's got a quick one, two step that he can get going. But once he's from blue line to blue line, he kind of bottoms out and guys are passing him. So that's one thing he can work on. And he needs to be a little more consistent. We talked about some of his stats. He did very well in the J18 and the J20. Only a couple big games, but it didn't really pop off. And then in the all Spenskin League, he had one or two big games. And the other ones were a little more quiet. So well, we want to see him is- play a little more consistently is all. It's going to help to be in the same spot for a whole year, right, Pelzi? How are you supposed to get consistency going when you're up, down, side to side? You're playing all over the place. So I think that'll really help him. I do not believe he's anywhere close to being on the radar for Team Sweden. So this isn't a prospect that we could see at the World Juniors. I believe Tyler Boucher will be there from this draft class. I don't think anybody else. And, of course, your odds go down when you consistently draft Canadians because the team's just stacked. Lots of 19-year-olds, including Ridley Gregg. But – you don't expect him to be on Team Sweden this year. And we mentioned the late birthday probably will have something to do that. But a project type that I'm really excited to see how it plays out. You mentioned skating, Pilsy. And for this next pick, Ottawa had gotten a fifth rounder by trading back for that Ben Roger pick. And they used it to select Carson Latimer. Now, this is a player who they did not reach on. Joel Henderson, who covers the WHL. He's going to join us on the show. He was extremely high on Latimer saying he should go between 80 and 100. Well, they got him at 123, and this kid has wheels out of the Edmonton Oil Kings, Pilsy. What do you like about him? Well, the Sens obviously liked him a lot because they traded up to get him. They had to use more draft capital, and maybe there was some intel that other teams were looking at him closely, so they didn't want to wait another 13 picks to see if he would still land to them. And he played on the Edmonton Oil Kings, and all we have to do is revisit Sebastian Koss's 17-1-1 record. And wow. you know that that team is a wagon. So he got an opportunity to play on a really good team and be able to make himself shine as well. So I, I really like that about him. And he did play a little bit in the Pacific Junior Hockey League, eight games with the Port Moody Panthers. He had 12 points in eight games, led the team in scoring, so that's pretty good. Then in the WHL, he had five goals, 11 assists for 16 points. What I like about this kid, he seems like he's got a lot of confidence. He scored a goal, Ross, in his first WHL game, in his first WHL shift. 
Hell in his, yeah. his first season. Like that's incredible confidence to be able to go out and do that in a short amount of time. And what he does best is score goals in tight to the net. I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch some of his highlights, but they're all within a foot or two of the crease tap-ins on two on ones, getting good rebounds, roofing the puck on a goalie that's sliding from side to side. There's so many ways he can beat a goalie in close. And not only does he beat goalies in close, but EP scout, Mitch Brown, he said that the best parts of Latimer's game are his puck retrieval and off-puck awareness. So he's the type of guy I can see being that, that grinder type guy on a line where he's helping the playmakers and the snipers get the puck and get into those areas to score those goals while also being able to get in those areas and score those goals as well. So Carson Latimer was one of the picks that I really liked for the Sens, and I thought there was good value where they got him at. Yeah, I thought so too. He's someone I'm really excited to watch. I see him as more of a complimentary piece, but when you're, when you're the Stens and you're this deep into the rebuild and how many draft picks, you need to, to see what kind of separating quality there is. And for Latimer, one of the things I read about him is he's great at making nothing happen when he's on the A. So when you're up a goal, he's the kind of right winger who you put out there and it just shuts down everything. Think Barkley Goodrow. Like that I think is a, probably a pretty fair comparable where when he's playing with good players, his speed excels even more, and then you notice him more. But if he's playing on a line where maybe there aren't so many good players on it, then his skill starts to wane, but he's still flying up and down the ice and all over the place. Now, I'm not giving him a six-year contract at 3.6 like Barkley Goodrow just got, although two Stanley Cups in a row help. But Latimer could be that type of player, a trusted penalty killer who can fly around. Like picture him and Formanton on either side of each other, let's say with Shane Pinto up the middle. All of a sudden, that's a pretty solid line in my books. Uh, Latimer might be my second favorite. Austin Chuck's my favorite pick of the day. I just see the ceiling as being so far from where he is right now and what potential he has. Whereas Latimer, I think it's a bit safer of a pick. Will he get to the skill as Austin Chuck? Probably not, but I love this player. Yeah, I think Latimer for where he was picked is one of the one of the better upside spots because they obviously saw a lot in him if you're going to trade up 16 picks to go grab him. So definitely the Sens liked what they saw in Latimer. And I'm excited to see what he can do in a full WHL season on a stacked Edmonton Oil Kings team. So this is a guy that six foot one, 185 pounds. So he's not exactly a massive guy, but again, not a small guy by any means either. No, not at all. And before he got to the WHL, he just put up points everywhere. He went to the Delta Hockey Academy in BC and put up 49 points in 31 games. And I mean, you expect that from guys who are playing at lower levels, who are going to become NHLers. But really going back to every year that he's played, he's been up and around a point per game. So he then goes to the WHL and still contributes. Now, albeit he's on an amazing team, and yes, they have Dylan Genther, and people have to really watch for him. So Latimer could kind of sneak up and down the right wing when he didn't get the matchups that a Dylan Genther would get in that same situation. But I'm ecstatic to watch his development. And how about that, Pilsy? Two picks from the WHL. So they'll be alongside Ridley Gregg, as long as Ridley doesn't make the NHL team. But in all likelihood, we'll have three prospects to keep our eye on in the WHL. And they've got two prospects in the Ontario Hockey League. I mentioned Ben Roger, the 49th pick, but then they went back to that well for their seventh round pick, sixth selection in the draft, 202nd overall. And this one, you're damn right they went size. They took big six foot five, 205 pound defenseman, Chandler Romeo. What are your thoughts on adding the left shot defenseman to an already stock cupboard of defense? Well, first off, I bet Trent Mann saw a lot of his son in Chandler Romeo as on TSN 1200. He was saying his son is six foot five, 210 pounds and two years away from being drafted. 16, 16 years old. So definitely Trent Mann saw some size that he was used to in his own household and was like, yeah, we're going with Chandler Romeo here. Second point I wanted to make is. Ross, I'm stoked that we're going to be able to get some boots on the ground. You're moving to a WHL city. I'm going to be close by to an OHL team, either in Barrie or Owen Sound. So I'm going to be keeping an eye out for Hamilton Bulldog games, London Knights games. Definitely want to get some uh, eyes on these big two defensemen. So let's get to Chandler Romeo. Like you said, six foot five, 205 pounds, left-hand shot defenseman with the Hamilton Bulldogs this season. 
He split the season last time between the Go JHL and the OJHL in 44 games with the Brantford Bandits. He had 21 points. And then in 10 OJHL games, he had five points. There's really not a whole lot more we have on this guy. If I'm being completely honest, we've scoured the internet trying to find some stuff. But when you're working on a team that picks off the board regularly and we had to go research guys from the second, third, and other rounds, <laughs> the seventh round pick, 202nd overall, we're probably not going to have too much info on, especially a season where he didn't play in the OHL. So we're going to find out more about Romeo, that's for sure. But what we can tell you is the, the Sens started the draft with size and damn sure they ended the draft with size. Yeah, I mean, he played junior B. So, I mean, what can you really read from that? He would have played in the OHL with the Hamilton Bulldogs, but as we know, the season never happened. So this is just kind of a complete wild card. Another late birthday. He just turned 18 last week on July 16th. So lots of room. Pilsy, who are the winners and losers of the 2021 draft? Well, Ross, I'm going to stay away from the terms winners and losers. <laughs> but but also what we need to keep in mind is it's these the guys that write these articles. It's their job to do that. They probably don't like doing it, but can they do it in a different way? Probably guys like Scott Wheeler, J.D. Burke. They don't have to pronounce that uh, the Sens are losers in the draft. I think definitely there's a different way around that, uh, that you could word it differently. But the thing is, when you look at the end of the day, and I think it's important that you need a little bit of time to relax and calm down that, yes, the Senators did pass on Atu Rati three different times, but you don't need to worry about that. Just look at the players that they did get and start thinking about where they fit into the system like we've been talking about. And you can see the makings of a full prospect pool that's geared towards one goal, and that's making an Ottawa Senators team that's going to be hard to play against. And you can see that they are going to do that if these players project like we think they will. How mad was King Karos when Pierre Dorian said from the U.S. National <laughs> Team Development Program and it was not Chaz Lucius? I thought it was Chaz Lucius for sure. Like as soon as he started that title, I was like, okay, we are, we're going for scoring skill right off the bat. Okay, yeah. let's go. And it went a different way, which initially I was disappointed. But now you start hearing things trickle in and you, you start hearing that the New York Rangers were very high on Boucher and they would have taken him if he had fell, fallen anymore. So what the key thing to hold and we'll we'll just talk about Boucher for a quick second here is. The well, Sens I got I got the eye test now. I got to see him play 40 minutes. I tuned in start of the second period, but go on before I get my scouting report. Well, I mean, I, I think I can give a spoiler alert to your scouting report because the one thing that the Ottawa Senators saw in Tyler Boucher is, and hey, EP even said this, so you got to give them that credit. He's the most physical player in the entire draft. His one uh, skill that sets him apart is his physicality. And Ross, take it away. How many hits did you see in like three shifts from Tyler Boucher. It, it's got to be close to double digits, no? Well, we tweeted out at Sense Central. I figured out how to record my screen, so hopefully my hockey TV isn't going to come guy. at me with, uh, with you know, liable or whatever anyways, using their product and all that. But what I will say is that Tyler Boucher, on his first shift, absolutely smoked a Swedish player in the corner, went out front, had a net front battle, and ended with the Swedish player laying on his back and Boucher looking down at him. So that's just the type of player that you're getting with him. But it's not only being physical, it's how smart he was to create contact. There was a play, I also put this video out there, where the puck was a little bit of a battle, and then Boucher saw that the defender had no other option but to skate between the two other players, and he had to go up the wall. So he pivots, takes two hard strides, tracks them, finishes them into the boards. And not only that, Pilsy, because yes, you can argue that hitting, like what, what's the point of it? He turned the puck over. They continue having possession in the zone. He goes off. Next guy comes on. They end up scoring a goal. So this it's the little things like that that he brings to the game or big bangs. Like you heard, um, he also crushed uh, Emil Andre, the Flyers pick. We profiled him last year, smaller defenseman. And the glass rattled so loud that the broadcasters, I think it was Chris Peters, formerly of ESPN, who's the color commentator here, he even mentioned, he's like, that loud, loud sound you heard? Yeah, that's just Tyler Boucher again. And, and that's the thing. Like, there's physical players that, that finish their check, but 
it's more out of obligation. Like, okay, this guy has the yes. puck. He's about to pass it. I better at least nudge into him no. a little. That's he not hits, Tyler Boucher. He hits like Chris Neal. And I'm not like Chris Neal is the goal. Like nobody's actually on that level. Well, but Andy he tr- can't play that style anymore. <laughs> well, never suspended. We, we have to say, and I think Tyler Boucher might get himself in trouble one of these days. But what I will say about that comparison, it's not a skill comparison. Tyler Boucher also had five shots on goal, led the team in shots and nearly scored on a tic-tac-toe where he was crashing the crease. Goalie made a nice save. So I tweeted that one out. I was like, okay, everyone's getting on me because 10th overall pick, you want more than physicality. And I agree with that, but he did provide more than that. Chaz Lucius was the only player on the ice I saw that was better than him. And that kind of stings as they passed on him. But at the same time, Boucher brought this entire package. And just to finish off my comparison, when Boucher hits, just like Chris Neal, They're trying to run you through the boards. They're not trying to hit you into the boards. They want that thing to shatter and you, they want that guy in the second row. Yeah. And and that's just the thing. Like maybe people say like, Oh, physicality. Like if a team gets a lot of hits, that just means you didn't have the puck. Like it kind of takes you out of the play, et cetera. But what it does indirectly is that's going to give every defenseman when they see Tyler Boucher is on the ice they're not going to hesitate. They're getting rid of that puck right away. And that creates turnovers. Like you said, you're not playing with confidence. You're always looking over your shoulder. Where's number 13 coming at me from? And that's going to create more space for his teammates. It's going to make his teammates feel a little bit bigger because now the other guys on the other team, they're not going to play as physical because they're just trying to avoid getting put through the boards like you're talking about. So there's a lot of trickle down effects that happen when you have a guy who plays as physical as Tyler Boucher, but he's not just a meathead out there. He's got hands too. He can finish. And so hockey sense. Yeah. So there's so much more to this package that maybe people are underselling and maybe the analytics don't exactly shine as great towards, but you have to look at the whole effect of what a player like Tyler Boucher brings to a team. But I don't know if he's necessarily a bad analytics guy. I just think that there were prospects that these guys liked more. I was reading EP Ringside did their grades. And I'm happier with grades than winners and losers. But whatever. That's a story for another day. And they didn't have Ottawa last. And I was a little surprised by that because it seems like everyone's jumping on the train. And um, David St. Louis from EP actually replied to me saying that there were scouts in EP who saw the value in Boucher being a first-round pick. And they don't usually value hitting and physicality that much. So that tells you about the other elements of his game. But again, he played 19 games last year. He had COVID. He had a knee surgery that needed uh, months to fix. And tomorrow we're going to find out just how resilient Tyler was through those injuries, as I guess we can tease it. And then we got to hit an ad. Then we'll hit on the Sens RFA situation as well as Levi Marilinen's first game at the at the summer showcase that I also watched yesterday. But Pilsy, Brian Boucher will be joining us tomorrow. ESPN NHL analyst. Still sounds strange to say. You know him from NBC. You know him as having the longest modern day shutout streak in NHL history. Pilsy, this is going to be an unbelievable interview. I'm so fired up for it. Yeah, I, I'm so excited for this. And the hilarious thing is, we would love to have Brian Boucher on without the Tyler Boucher yep. sense connection. Like I would love to get this guy on as just a hashtag goalie friendly show. Like he has so much knowledge to share. He's literally the U S version of Jamie McLennan, in my opinion. Yep. I like that comparison. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, we talked about it with Jamie, the best analysts of hockey tend to be backup goalies because we're going to talk to him about that. Yeah. Say what you want. Maybe they didn't get in on the action as much, but they have to be aware of what's going on and they got the best seats in the house to see the entire game unfold. So definitely stoked to have Brian Boucher on. Five straight shutouts, a little more than a backup goal. We're going to ask him what he hears about more, the five-game shutout streak or the fact that Ovechkin's corkscrew goal, you know the one, where he lays on his back and slides it in. Yeah, that was Brian Boucher in goal for that. So we're looking forward to a really fun interview. We're interviewing him at 10 a.m., and then we're going to record around that just after. So it'll be out at a normal time tomorrow. We just had some stuff going on today. So It was a draft reaction episode anyway, so it's not as timely. But tomorrow, get fired up for Brian Boucher. Not only Brian Boucher, but in the next week, Levi Marilyn, and we've teased this before, but now that it's confirmed he's coming to the OHL, it's also confirmed that he will be joining us on Locked On Senders. Joey Decord as well. We're a goddamn goalie-friendly show, and we won't hear 
otherwise. We're also a show that likes to wager a little bit, and that's why Bet Online is the perfect online home for us. And it can be for you too. If you go to betonline.ag and sign up for a free account, you are entitled to a 50% welcome bonus just because you listen to the Locked On Senators podcast. It's that easy. So go to betonline.ag on your mobile device or your internet browser on your desktop, and you can bet on just about anything. You got the Olympics going on right now. That's always fun. Kind of strange with the time change, but it's still great to always have athletics on the TV, especially when usually it's just baseball this time of year. So at least they keep things interesting. Pilsy, do you have a parlay for the people? What's going on on Bet Online? Well, normally I would have a parlay for you guys, but since we're recording a little bit later, by the time so, I get this out, a lot of the games are already going to happen. So I'm not going to hit on a parlay today, but we definitely will have some more baseball parlays, which I actually had a decent uh, bit of luck at recently. So we're going to hit on those uh, throughout the week and throughout the rest of the offseason here. But for tonight, no parlay tonight. Hey, he's made you enough money this year with Bet Online. So don't sit on the sidelines. Get into the action. Go to Bet Online and see all the great events that you can still wager on, even though it's the NHL offseason. That actually doesn't stop them from throwing up odds for next year's Stanley Cup. So put a couple shekels on the Sens. Why not? Why wouldn't you? Leicester City won the the uh, Premier League a couple of years ago. Anything can happen. That's the beauty of sports. The important thing is that you are in the action. So head to betonline.ag and use our promo code locked on. That's promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sports book experts. All right, Pilsy, let's wrap up day two of the World Junior Summer Showcase, and then we'll finish off discussing who the Sens did qualify and who they didn't when it comes to their restricted free agents. Pilsy, Levi Marilainen, I tweeted out at Sen Central, this guy's allergic to allowing more than one goal per game. It seems every single game, it's one goal against. It's one goal against. It's a shutout. This guy's unbelievable. Yeah, and we mentioned some of the OHL prospects that I'm excited to watch. Levi Marilainen in Kingston is a guy I'm very excited to get boots on the ground and watch. Officially, official, official. I mean, we've heard it six different times, but he's now (laughs) confirmed the Kingston Frontenacs tweeted out, he's coming to Canada. Yeah, I love that. So definitely it's going to be great because with goalies too, I, I find it's hard to really get a sense of what goalies are doing from video. I don't know. It's just it's just not the same. So I'm definitely going to try to get some game action watching him. And it, it's going to be great to have him on the show as well to see kind of what he knows about Canada, what he knows about Kingston, how the, all that's going to work out. So I'm excited for Levi Marilainen big time. Oh man, I'm excited for his quality of performance as well. If he keeps this up, expect him to be Finland's starter at the world juniors now what was great seeing him live is they have the list before they go out on the ice and he's grown an inch and put on 20 pounds according 20. to well versus Ooh. elite prospects had him under 160 pounds and now he's over 180 so math guy that's 20 pounds right there and you got to think that's only helping him because some of the saves he was making like and funny enough, too, there was a, an equipment problem. I don't think his skates were sharp. He had to leave the game about seven minutes in, and he was out for five minutes. I, I turned my head, and when I looked back, I, I didn't really, I saw him he was at the bench getting his skate dealt with. But then the next play, I was like, did he grow even more? I guess the backup's like 6'5 or something. But then Marilyn came back in, had a couple bang-bang saves. And not only that, there were a pair of plays where he didn't necessarily track the puck perfectly one where it bounced off his blocker up over his head landed but then he was able to track it afterwards and get square for the rebound so I was really impressed with not only the quantity of shots 28 saves on 29 shots but he made some highlight real saves there's one and this is against team USA not not Tyler Boucher's team so they split team USA into two so Tyler Boucher and Tyler Clevin we're both on the same team. Clevin was just steady as ever. Like not much to write home about his game, but nothing to pick apart either. Whereas Marilyn was going up against Jake Sanderson. So Sanderson was unbelievable. Controlling pace of play, breaking up the ice. I almost posted when I made that there's a great pad save that Levi made, but it started with Jake Sanderson running the puck out of the zone and doing the drop pass. I thought it would give sense fans PTSD. So <laughs> I, I just cropped that out of the video. Yeah, good call. I think that's too soon, I think. But man, 
we're talking about the summer showcase. I think this is going to be one of the more entertaining world junior championships we've seen in a while. There's going to be so much talent there. And all of these teams seem like they have top prospect guys that are just waiting to show themselves. Not only that, like, of course, draft eligible, you're going to have uh, from Kingston. Why am I blank on his name? Shane Wright. Shane Wright's going to be there now. Teammates with Levi Marilyn. You got to think that'll help Levi being able to face shots from right and yeah. day in and day out in practice. And you also know when you have that type of talent, who's likely going to play in the NHL as an 18 year old next year, that's a team that's going to be going all in to win the Memorial cup. So you think they might add during the year as well. This is just going to be great for Levi's development, but then also could a guy like Connor Bedard make the team as a 16 year old? Like he was so unreal at the world under 18s last year. So team Canada is great. And if you're a Sens fan looking, you got Ridley Gregg, who I'd say is what 90% chance to make team Canada. I, I think that's he's got to be there because uh, like also not only is he an older guy with a lot of skill, but not a lot of guys have that kind of physicality to yeah. their game. So I think Team Canada is going to want him there for sure. That's a Team Canada style player, no doubt. And then with Team USA, the U sends a as we use the hashtag on Twitter, they got Tyler Clevin and Jake Sanderson reigning gold medalist who will be back. And then I believe Tyler Boucher, it's his spot to lose on that team because again, he brings an element that they don't necessarily have otherwise so it's going to be a fascinating time and i mentioned levi marilinen as the next sense prospect were you worried though and i don't know why but roby arventi was not invited to this tournament he was awful for finland at last year's world juniors i think he might have played himself off of team finland do we know if it's the same coaching staff because if it's the same coaching staff then that's probably your answer there because he was healthy scratched and even when he did get in he didn't make the most of his opportunity. So that's tough because Roby Arventi, that's a guy too that he's very inconsistent. He can be hot for a stretch of games and then he can be invisible for the same stretch of games. So that's tough for Roby Arventi, but I'm not too worried about him long term. He's a guy I think is going to work on consistency. And, we'll and he'll, be in, he'll be yeah, in Belleville. He'll be in Belleville. So they'll continue to play during the World Juniors. It's not going to be paused or anything. So it is of note, though, that a guy who was on the World Junior team last year not getting an invite. And we've seen that with Finland before, right? With that. I was just going to say that. Yeah. So they, they definitely don't kind of just take big names. Like they have an expectation and a standard. And if you don't meet that standard, you're not going to last. And they, that's a country with a lot of good young prospects. So I don't blame them for that way of thinking. Yeah, no question. Okay. Well, we got lots of time to talk world juniors. And by the way, this tournament, the summer showcase is going on for the rest of the week. So uh, follow us on Twitter at Send Central. I'm going to be putting out clips of any of the games that I'm able to watch or anything notable going on from there. Okay, one more thing. We're about to get into RFA talk, but Chris Weidman, former senator, sends abroad, has signed a one-year, one-way contract with the Montreal Canadiens. Ew. That's so hilarious because, like, they're basically replacing Victor Mete with Chris Weidman, but... Oh, they're not replacing Shea Weber with him? <laughs> no, <laughs> not, not quite. A little different skill set there. But Chris Weidman, credit to him, after going from the worst case of calling shotgun in an Uber ride ever <laughs> to being the best KHL defenseman. Like, that yeah. is an incredible bounce back for him. And we always liked him, Ross. I thought we we found a lot yeah. of stuff in his game where the we thought... The injury was tough. The hamstring? Oh, my God. When when Malkin fell Malkin, on top yeah. of him. Holy... I, I, that's an injury, weirdly, that sticks in my head. Because we I watched know. that live <sighs> and it was just gross. But he come a long way. And he's a guy who I think at the proper role in the NHL could have some success. So it's hilarious that we're going to get to see him in division and in a Montreal Habs jersey. Andy Strickland, so out of St. Louis, where Weidman's from, so it's a solid source, saying he turned down a $2 million contract in the KHL because he wants to play in the NHL. So credit to him. And as he left, I mean, the Sens have rotated this entire lineup about 18 times, and now they're also not qualifying a few players. Pilsy, you want to run through the list, and we'll go over who you thought maybe a surprise was, if any? Well, first off, off the bat, there's not as a big shocking surprises as oh, last yeah. season when Duclair was not qualified. That was wild at the time. I mean, you could say it what wasn't you want. even expensive. It was like a two point one million dollar to maybe even but less. I think what they were worried was what uh, the arbitrator would be able to right. award him with, and then right. you're in a tricky situation. So I think they were saying we weren't going to qualify him, and then try to sign him out of 
out of pocket, out of the arbitration's hand. But clearly that went a different way. There's not really any of those big names that are surprising anyone this year. So I'll read you the guys that did receive qualifying offers. They include Vitaly Abramov, which is great. We want great. him to hold his rights while he's in the KHL. Yeah, why good, not? Good thing Seattle didn't take him. Hey, that would have been, that was uh, real close there. We were worried about that. Yeah, close. Same with Jonathan Davidson, who they didn't qualify. So, hey, maybe he does end up in Seattle. Yeah, well, spoiler alert that they didn't qualify Davidson, but we'll get there. They qualified Ole Alsing, which is nice. They need that veteran defense help in, in Belleville. That's for damn sure. Batherson. Logan Brown. So the Logan Brown saga continues. Philip Gustafson, Victor Mete, and your boy, Brady Kachuk. Obviously, oh, they phew. qualified him. So now who they didn't qualify. And I think really there's only one name here I'm disappointed about. And that's Michael Amadio. They did not qualify. I would have liked to see him come back. He was a good fringe guy. That would have been great to fill in injuries in the NHL and provide some veteran leadership in the AHL. But you can't keep everyone. It's all it's all good there. They're going to bring back Darren Alterbald anyway, so I'm not too worried <laughs> about that kind of role. J.C. Baudin, Jonathan Davidson, like Ross alluded to, Brandon Fortunato, Marcus Hogberg, who signed a great four-year deal in Sweden. Happy for him. It wasn't working out in the NHL, so he gets to go home, and I think he's going to have a good career over there. Jack Kopaka and... I'm forgetting his first name, but Magwood. He was the guy they got from <laughs> Carolina, right? Yeah, for uh, Max Lajoie, they actually, uh, yep. Zach Magwood. Zach, that's it. Sorry about that, Zach. <laughs> the, the one guy who all doubled down, maybe Michael Amadio, but J.C. Bowden, I thought, found a home in Belleville. Maybe it was a mutual thing where he wants to chase a championship at the pro level because he won a championship in the East Coast League and he won a championship in the Quebec Hockey League. But the last two years... He played a bit. Actually, he played less in Belleville than I thought. He was a midseason acquisition in 2018-19. Yeah, he was with. Um, he was traded for Max McCormick uh, to Colorado in that trade, and he had three points in 20 games. But this year, he had 16 points in 34 games with Belleville. So I thought maybe that would be enough to bring him back, especially as a plus nine player, which would have been among the best on that Belleville team, although he's plus six in the final three games of the year with five points in those three games. So maybe that helped keep him, uh, you know, his options open. Maybe he thought, oh, I finished so good. Maybe if I get my right opportunity with a team who maybe doesn't have as much depth as Ottawa. So, you know what? I wish J.C. Bonet well. I think he's a good penalty killer, and uh, I thought he could help help Belleville going forward. But then again, you look at the center depth in this organization and somebody had to be the odd man out pills. I think that's the same thing that happened with Amadio. Yeah, exactly. That's a thing. Like there's guys you, you'd like to see stay a little longer, but then also you got to think of, think of all the new players that are going to be coming in and playing a big role in Belleville, right? Like Sokolov is going to play a big role. Robbie Arventi, we talked about is going to play a big role. Like Crookshank, there's like these guys Crook, who yeah, picked up mid season. Yeah. yeah, so there's lots of guys that are going to fill in those spots that they're kind of leaving open. And it's time to kind of turn the page there. Like these guys we mentioned have been in the Belleville system, especially Bodan and Davidson, for two, three seasons. And it just didn't work out for them, unfortunately. So, and hey, Davidson, following the, the path of brothers, he's playing with his brother overseas. So it worked out all right for him in the end. Yeah, absolutely. And the brother connection, it's just all Crazy. encompassing, right? Like this past week, we saw it absolutely everywhere with Seth Jones and Caleb Jones. And I can't think of any more off the top of my head. Can you fill me in Pilsy? Cause well, we'll stick with the Chicago more. Blackhawks, the docs. They were yep. very excited about that. And then the Hughes, uh, the Hughes is the big one. That's the big one for sure. Yeah. Poor Quinn Hughes. <laughs> He's the third guy, odd man out there. So we are just waiting until Matthew Kachuk comes to join Brady in Ottawa. Pilsy, great show today. We're ecstatic to have Brian Boucher join us tomorrow. We hope you will join us for it as well. But for today, we say goodbye. Hope you're having a good one. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.